Welcome to episode 12 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This show was recorded Monday, February 5th, 2007. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is a combination of some of the best cycling podcasts and blogs on the internet. Each show brings together some of the most famous voices and writers in cycling for a lively discussion of the current cycling news. Check out our website at www.the-spokesmen.com. And now, here are the Spokesmen. Welcome to episode 12 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast, an even dozen, and we have an even three on the show today, starting with Tim Grawl from the Crooked Cog Network. Hi, Tim. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. And Carlton Reed from Bike Biz and QuickRelease.tv. Hi, Carlton. Hi there. I like Crooked. Crooked Cog could work. <laughs> Cooked Cog? Well, it yeah, all depends yeah, yeah. on what you're planning on cooking. You know, it's, <laughs> it's good. Hey, you know, I... Maybe this this wasn't how we're going to start off the show, but I'm wondering, Carlton, what is Quick Release TV? You know, I've been over there. What are you hoping to accomplish with it? You mean when I take away hamburger girl? What's wrong with uh, hamburger girl? I kind of like the picture, actually. Yeah, me too. I, I've got to learn how to do all these slices and stuff, and David knows I'm, I'm having problems with this. So I've got to get rid of that hamburger girl. I can't have her there. There is a very nice logo to come. But I've always got these mag deadlines, and uh, I'm going skiing soon. And I've got an even sooner mag deadline. So I'm just not getting what I want to do on that site done. But eventually, it will be a repository of videos. Your, just your videos or other people's videos as well? Uh, it'll be mine. I created a new site, in fact. This is great for plugs. Thank you very much. Uh, a new site on magnify.net, uh, which is the same kind of video sharing thing that bicycling.com is using. I kind of nicked their idea. And you can put uh, an auto thing, so you just put keywords in bicycle video, and it keeps on putting videos on 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 this site, and you can put your own ones on, and then you get other people's ones come on too automatically, and then the community can then vote on their favorites, and then it comes onto the site, and and that kind of looks good too. And and that's just by tagging it where at at, at YouTube or Google Video, or how does that work? They, that's great. They bring in videos from all the different Blipper, all the different uh, uh, video sites. It's it's really clever. So it, just go along to magnify.net and have a look at that. It's uh, it's it neat, and you can do it your own ones, easy to do for yourself, or you can start putting your own um, banners on the top. And just just look at how bicycling does it, and it looks really really good. And then you start clicking on magnify.net, and you realise you can do it exactly the same way as bicycling have done it. So. So it's really powerful. I'll put a link in the show notes so people can can get to your site that you made because I think that's mm. a, that's really neat. And then if we can just get the listeners to take their cycling videos and tag them the same way, uh, all of a sudden you'll start seeing that site growing. So that's great. Mm. Speaking of bicycling, did I read somewhere that their that their uh, their ad revenues were up hugely last year? Forty percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I got and, this on. Sorry, you got, go ahead. No, and I was just saying, Graham over at Go Clipless was talking about how their readership is either down or up, or it's just like one percent difference. But their ad revenue it was up forty percent, and so some people are speculating a lot of it was their website. But uh, I just think that's interesting that their readership stayed the same practically, but their um, ad revenue went up forty percent. So either they got good salesmen, or mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. 
you know, maybe I need to grab some of their salesmen over to Crooked Cog. Yeah, me too. Mm. I, I, Carlton, any idea if that's what, how much 40% represents in dollars? Uh, I had it on bitebiz.com actually. I did have the the, the dollar rate, I and mean, I can click across and, and find out. But it was it was interesting that it wasn't just uh, bicycling; it was the, almost the whole of Rodale, uh, which owns by uh, bicycling and all the other men's health type magazines. Uh, they were doing really well across the board. So that suggests to me they they just put new sales practices in place and uh, started ramping up the revenue. But that bicycling was something like I mean you'll know these media. Um, directories better than me, the US ones, but it, it was talking about how it is the, the magazine that's put on the, the biggest surge in, in sales in the whole of the US in, in magazine terms. So that, that's clearly very impressive. So uh, I wonder if it was just, you know, a, a combination of, as you said, better sales tactics, uh, an increase in their rates on their rate card. Uh, and and I wonder if, if it also has something to do with the, the amount of generalized advertisements that are in a bicycling magazine. You know, bicycling's become more like a, a lifestyle mag in, in some ways than a cycling-specific mag. So you see a lot of uh, car ads and things like that. Uh, so it's kind of like becoming the outside yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Because mm. they get car ads and all sorts, don't they? And well, you know, if you look at the last couple of issues, I mean, the, the most recent one, you know, with these attractive people on it with these amazing abs, it's almost looking like, you know, a men's health magazine or something like that. Mm. Mm. Well, and you got the uh, mountain bike magazines that have the big two-page SVU uh, or SUV ads as well. So I just get a kick out of those, too. But, you know, it's 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 funny. While while we're talking about that, that I think that's a really good lead-in to something that we we planned on talking about, which is with with what's going on in the in the bicycle industry these days. Uh, Tim Grawl asked the question recently over on the Kool Aid blog. You know, who are we targeting when we're looking for new customers? Tim, why don't you set that up so we can talk about it? Well, um, I've, I've started making it a habit to go to Barnes and Noble every couple weeks and thumb through a bunch of the magazines there, so I don't actually have to pay for them. And uh, so I was looking through, and one of my questions has been, it seems like almost, I would say, I don't have any real figures, but I would say almost all of the advertising uh, that the bicycling industry does, uh, mountain biking in specific uh, is what I was looking at, is directly to the people that are already riding, the people that already have bikes and that sort of thing. So I wonder what was being done or what could be done to get people that aren't already riding on bikes and where should we be putting money in and, and two of the groups that I was thinking of that came to mind were the casual riders that maybe you know have the $150 department bike um, you usually see them out riding and you know without a helmet and wearing some sort of denim um, and then there's there's the second group that's already sports enthusiasts maybe uh, your kayakers or your uh, runners uh, hikers and climbers, that sort of thing, that are already into adventure sports, but just haven't gotten around to mountain biking or, or cycling yet. And so uh, the first group I kind of, in the article I wrote, I kind of dismissed because it seems like they already think a bike is only worth $150 or 100 bucks, and it's just a toy, so can we really sell them on a, on a higher-end thing and really get them into the sport? I don't know. But I think what we really should be going after are those people that are already into other sports, that already understand the value of good equipment, already into maybe, like I uh, keep saying, adventure sports such as hiking and kayaking and, and uh, maybe um, 
trail running and that sort of thing and see if we can get them onto bikes and so I was looking I was looking at some of these magazines like Outside Magazine and some other hiker and kayaker magazines and I saw pretty much nothing about bikes no real advertising about bikes um, and so I'm just wondering if we're missing the boat if somehow advertising dollars should be spent to get people more people on bikes instead of just selling more bikes to the people that are already riding and uh, so that was kind of the question I posed is who should we go be going after how should we be doing that uh, et cetera, et cetera. Well I suppose in some ways any good marketing effort will will look at demographics of their current customers and start thinking okay well how do we expand that and into new customers people who who aren't currently using our product so I, I my my personal opinion is that we need to start looking at those people who aren't the avid cyclists the people who who are as you said maybe into other adventure sports uh, when it comes to to mountain biking for instance or people who are into other fitness sports uh, when it comes to road biking and I think that that's probably a, a good place to start but like like getting into any sport I think that there's some some kind of an intimidation factor uh, in in cycling I mean when was the last time you went to a bike shop and and tried to buy or, or listened to customers trying to buy things and and listened to the, the the buzzwords that the salespeople were throwing around that just because you're a cyclist you know them so I think that there's some intimidation in our industry that we need to deal with as well. Right. I mean, you see, you see people talking about this, and this is a whole nother can of worms, but how there's a whole lot of uh, bike shops where you walk in, and unless they know who you are or, or you are already majorly into cycling, you feel like an outsider. And, uh, and so a lot of times people will walk out of a store because they get, didn't get any help because... Uh, the people in the store had their own little click, and and then again, you know, going on to some of the rants I've done before, is then these are the same shops that complain that uh, they're not making any money. So, but I mean, back to the advertising. I mean, maybe I'm missing something, but I, I really think there is something into spending some money and spending some time on people that aren't in the sport and getting them into the sport because more people means more dollars, more than just selling more stuff to the people that are already into it. Well, Carlton, you're in you're in the magazine business, and you understand mm-hmm. advertising. Uh, who's going to pay for advertising like this if we were going to do it? Where, where's the, where are the dollars going to come from? Uh, well, Tim and David, believe you me, this is an absolutely perennial um, issue that is discussed ad infinitum in the bike trade, and it's just. I mean, I have a trade only forum on bikebiz.com, and that is just it's the number one question probably: how to reach out. And how do we afford to reach out? Now, in the U.S., you've got things like Bikes Belong, uh, which is almost like an industry uh, levy, and then some money gets spent on um, pushing it out to the to the masses. In the U.K., uh, we also have a bike levy, and some of the money uh, on that gets spent uh, on initiatives in schools, all of which is to uh, encourage future cyclists, which I, I guess is... Is, is where you've got to aim for if you're looking super long term. You've, you've got to get kids onto bikes now so that in 15 years time those kids are still on, on bikes when, when they're adults. So that's where certainly the UK has, has, um, has uh, pushed home the advantage. Now the bike trade generally hardly has enough money to, to advertise in, 
in uh, its own consumer magazines, notwithstanding bicycling's wonderful uh, results, of course. And uh, to then have money to spend on uh, other marketing campaigns it is generally just not there. But I think uh, there's an awful lot of campaigns out there that are huge budgets and nothing to do with the bike trade but get people onto bikes. I mean, I, I didn't see the Super Bowl yesterday because I'm in the UK. I certainly didn't see the ads you had. But I've seen an ad land uh, which, which goes through and, and discusses all the ads that have been on there. There was one ad which was a drug ad and that was talking about a guy who took this certain kind of drug and we're now talking about uh, a hernia drug or whatever, not a performance enhancing of course. We mustn't get onto that subject again. Um, but it, it's, it's using cycling the cycling image uh, as, as freedom. And there's an awful lot of mainstream advertisers, Coca-Cola uses it, all sorts of different people use this image to, to get people into cycling. Now if those guys spending millions and millions and millions of dollars, if, uh, if, if their stuff isn't working, well nothing that the bike trade could ever spend would, would get anywhere, anywhere near that. And I think some of those dollars are getting through to people because I think the, the cycling is going through um, a renaissance partially because of this this promotion it is getting in effect for free well that ad that you're I, th I think the ad that you're talking about from the Super Bowl was actually for a uh, it was for a prostate drug called Flomax mm. and it showed guys I would say in their late 40s and their, their mid 50s uh, who were cycling and doing other sports, and uh, and the, the the point of the ad was because uh, I guess Flomax is to to help men who have a certain prostate condition called BPH, where they need to use the restroom frequently uh, and and urgently, and this helps them with that, and as you said, gives them the, then the freedom to go out and enjoy the other things that they like, including cycling. And you can get to restrooms quicker on bikes. That's, exactly that's the point. Right. Yeah. You can like, really get there quick. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's you know and, and and that was the ad that, and it was the fourth quarter, uh, which mm -hmm. I guess they were figuring uh, was an expensive quarter in which to buy an ad. I think it was like two point mm. six million dollars for thirty mm -hmm. second ad. Yeah. Uh, so you're right. I mean, you you do see it in general publications, and yet we're not necessarily seeing the the cycling market growing the way we see others. And so, Tim, I think your question is a good one. Who do we go after? I don't think, from my perspective, it's the avid cyclist. The avid cyclist uh, or the person who's already on their mountain bike or already on the road bike, they get it. And they're already, in some ways, evangelists for the industry. So we've got to go after these other people. And, and, and going after them in their backyard so in 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 outside magazine or in a running magazine or in podcasts for instance uh, i think will help bring them on board but again and i hate to beat a dead horse but it is we need to take a holistic approach and we need to educate the the people who are who are ambassadors out there in the world, which are really the, the bike shops. We need to educate them about what they're doing wrong. I read an article in the United Airlines magazine, Hemispheres magazine this month. They were talking about uh, where they, they took salespeople from bike shops and they sent them to a department store and they said, we want you to buy cosmetics. And they were overwhelmed when they got there with the buzzwords and the intimidation factor of trying to buy something that they were completely unfamiliar with. And when they came back, they said to these salespeople, well, guess what your customers think? 
And I think that that was really instructive and a great way to show those people, hey, you aren't always doing the best job with the people who walk into your store in, in presenting to them the features and benefits of the various products that you sell. I think you've got uh, two ears and one mouth. I think that's that's what um, a lot of salespeople are, are are told. Which you you listen to people. So instead of coming out with these buzzwords, you just ask what people want. And and the good salespeople are the ones who who listen. You get bad salespeople in all forms of retail. I think in the bike trade, they're guilty of maybe too much passion. So it, it's not something that uh, they're doing wrong. It's just channeling that passion so maybe don't come out with a buzzword straight away find out what the customer wants show them how passionate you are but don't try and take them down a certain um, track that you, you you want to go down ask what the customer wants and see if they, in fact they they didn't want this high-end downhill mountain bike they actually wanted a hybrid and uh, if you just listen then then you'll probably be uh, on the right track Sometimes though it's it, they even go the other way. My my daughter needed a new bike, and my wife took her to the store. And one store said she needed a 13-inch frame. And so my wife went to the next store and said, "Well, um, my little girl needs a 13-inch bike." And so the salesperson said, "Okay, no problem. Put her on a 13-inch bike." Said, "Yeah, she looks good." Barely looked at her and sent her out the door. And mm -hmm. she got home, and I said, uh, "You know that bike is is too small." And we, we went for a short ride, and sure enough, she needed the 15-inch bike. And we went back to the store, and they were very nice about it. But, you know, it could have been a bad experience for somebody who didn't understand. And, and the kid could have said, wow, you know, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable on this bike, and therefore uh, I'm, I'm, I just not, must not be comfortable cycling to begin with, and therefore, you know, I'm not gonna, going to continue with it. And I think that, that, that some of those people out there who haven't become avid cyclists, who have gone to other adventure sports, Tim, and who have gone to other fitness sports uh, may have had negative experiences like that. So, yes, we need to work on our marketing, but I think that we also need to work on on the way that it's handled on the retail level. Does that make sense, Tim? Right, and you did touch on something that, that I've thought about before, too, is how um, there's, a bigger, there's a bigger jump when it comes to getting into cycling as far as just the equipment you need and for instance if I'm a runner all I need is a good pair of shoes to get started if I'm a hiker or climber um, the equipment again is a lot less um, expensive and um, and a lot of times maybe not even as much variety uh, that you just need to get started where in the bike world if you're actually going to ride some real stuff especially in mountain biking you need a bike that can handle it and so your jump is you know you got three four five hundred dollars just to get started and so, I mean, that is a, a big problem. And so uh, sometimes and the way I've um, gotten people that I know on board is just I have an extra bike. So I put them on the bike and I take them for a ride and uh, I get them hooked before they have to spend any money. But for anybody that's new that's never tried it and doesn't have friends that's already doing it, it is a big jump to get into it. Tim, you're the, you're the person who perhaps is, is, there's lots of you out there like you. You're, you, as I mentioned before, you're an ambassador for cycling. So you are getting new people onto cycling. So how to encourage more cycling? Encourage more people like you. And in, in the UK, we, we have something called the, the championing system, where this is done by a, a charity, a route building charity called Sustrans. 
and they have school champions and they have other champions who go out and and proselytize they 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 try and get people onto bikes and they're very friendly and they're not connected to bike shops who bike shops do do a fantastic job but these people are, are separate to that and they just enthuse people onto bikes and there's a listener of this program called uh, Simon who's a, a friend of mine I know he listens to this because he often uh, quotes things back to me that he's, he's listened to on here but he was telling me the other day that uh, he goes out for an evening uh, drink on a Thursday night into a local pub and he's got seven friends all of whom are now cyclists and I think only one of them before he started spouting off about how good cycling is was a cyclist and at least two or three of them said you'll never get me out on a bike ever 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 and lo and behold there's now a group of seven cyclists that go and, and, and go for rides um, from this pub all probably from from one person proselytizing and saying we should go and do this so there's a huge untapped uh, resource here that uh, the bike trade has got or the, the bike world I should say another bike trade has got and that is fellow cyclists I think we all probably in our own way have tried to encourage other cyclists so just do what you're doing Tim and everybody else out there who does the same thing carry on doing what you're doing I think that's a great idea cycling ambassadors and we're all cycling ambassadors and we and mm. we have to remember that and I love your idea of, of um, and I'm gonna call it the Tim the memorial Tim Grawl give a buddy a bike program <laughs> because no it's a it's a great idea because you're right so many of us are cyclists we have that extra beater bike hanging hanging around mm. and when we're talking to somebody let's just take them out for a ride and and yeah, let them and, see what it's like and I give them the good helmet and I take the one with the crack in it <laughs> there you go <laughs> Good job. So I think that that's that, that that's great. Grassroots efforts uh, really help because we can't rely on you know golf had the Tiger Woods effect, where Tiger Woods became so popular that more and more people got into golfing, and in some ways the bicycling industry has had the Lance Armstrong effect. Uh, road bike sales are up hugely. Uh, you know, new new road bike magazines are coming out all the time because so many people went out and bought road bikes as a, as as a result of Lance Armstrong and his success in the Tour de France. We can't rely on things like that. We have to rely on ourselves as, as I said before, evangelists and to get more people involved in cycling. And, and I think something that I saw, maybe it was in response to your post on the Kool-Aid blog, Tim, where we need to be inclusive. You know, just because maybe you ride a really nice mountain bike and maybe I ride a really nice road bike, when we pull up next to the guy on the commuter bike, you know what, that person is also a cyclist as well, and we need to be really inclusive, uh, and we need to embrace what they do as well as what we do, and I think that that's just another way of bringing more people in and keeping more people enthused, because I think too often the hardcore roadies dismiss the guy on the commuter bike with the panniers as you know just some goofy environmentalist, when really, you know what, that person's a cyclist too. Okay, I think we've sort of beat that one to a pulp. Let's move on really quickly. And, and while we're on this subject of media, there was an interesting post over on the Cyclicious blog. And I don't want to talk about this one too long, but I just want to get your comments on it. And Fritz asked the question about podcasts and who's really listening. He says, you know what, I, I'm a blogger. He says, I, I, I get blogs. I don't so much get podcasts. And who's listening to these things? Well, you guys are podcasters. Um, are you seeing 
more people who are, are interested these days in, in listening to podcasts, more people that are interested in reading blogs, or do you think that those are, are different individuals entirely? Carlton, what do you think? Well, they're both RSS. That helps. So it's just a no-brainer. Once you've, once you've clicked on that uh, button, and hopefully you, you get these things downloaded automatically. So it's the same for blogs as, as for, for, for podcasts. Once people are, are hooked and you can then give them the content that perhaps they've, they've come to you for, then they'll, they'll keep on downloading. They'll, they'll keep your show in iTunes. They'll, they'll, they'll keep on reading you uh, in their, their uh, RSS aggregator or whoever uh, they're, they're reading blogs. So it, it's part and parcel of the same thing, really. It's, it's just content. But do you, I, I understand that you know a lot of podcast listeners are using the RSS feed, whether it's an iTunes or Juice or some other podcast aggregator. But I wonder when it comes to blogs, if people, you know, this is sort of their way of killing time at work, and they're just clicking around because they have it all bookmarked. Do you think a lot of people are using the RSS feeds and blogs, or do you think that they're just clicking around? Tim, you've got a bunch of blogs. What do you think? Well, that that depends a lot on the um, <clears throat> the type of people you're talking to. Uh, if you read something like uh, TechCrunch or um, a more technology-savvy uh, blog, I would say a huge percentage of their readers are reading the RSS because they understand RSS, they know what it is, they know how to use it, and they know how it'll save time. While at the same time, um, uh, so I work with also another business blog that's pretty tech-savvy, and a huge number of readers to those blogs, a huge percentage, is the RSS where you switch over to uh, cycling and mountain biking, and I would say a, a lot less percentage, understand the RSS and, and use it with something like blog lines or, um, or their uh, live bookmarks because um, it's just not a tech-savvy group. So first you've got to look at the crowd you're talking to, and I'd, um, every once in a while I'll throw up a post trying to educate people a little bit on what RSS is, how it can save them time, that sort of thing. Uh, but when it comes to podcasting, uh, I still think podcasting were, were a little bit uh, before the big tide of um, uh, right now, the vast majority of people, I think, are still used to the old way of uh, receiving media, which is on uh, the owners of the media on their terms. Uh, so as more people get um, move over to on-demand media, such as watching TV shows via iTunes or um, or other sorts of on-demand media, I think more people are going to start switching over to ra from radio to things like podcasting and satellite radio and that sort of thing. So to me, the people that are listening to podcasts right now are the tech-savvy group that are keeping up with the newer trends. And then also people that just have time to listen to it. A lot of my friends uh, that I know listen to podcasts, they're in their car a lot, so they throw them all onto their, um, onto their iPod and listen to them in the car on, on the road instead of listening to the radio. So I think it also depends because I, I even have trouble fitting in all the podcasts I want to listen to because I'm working there in the day and I can't really listen to them on the computer. So I try to catch them in the car or on a bike ride or that sort of thing. I was going to ask you guys, do you listen to podcasts when you ride? I listen to podcasts and music. Carlton? I, I put nothing in my ears, I've got to admit. No, no. I, I, my, my podcasting time uh, for listening it tends to be on a long train journey. Mm -hmm. I love there just sitting with my, my laptop and um, my headphones on and just flipping around, um, listening and catching up to all the ones that I haven't listened to. And probably, for instance, the Fredcast, I, I'm not listening to it uh, the day you've done it, but I'll, I'll go through and listen to maybe three shows back to back 
um, from say th four weeks ago. So it, it's it's yeah, it's on demand. So I, I can listen to your Christmas show, you know, at Easter time. So why not? <laughs> and uh, it may sound a bit weird, but <laughs> at least I'm listening. And and so I I tend to just listen when I get that uh, nice bit of spare time rather than physically going and, and listen like every time you download or every time somebody um, puts something fresh up. So I, I have to ask you guys while we're on the subject, if you don't mind, and I'm going to, again, surprise you with this one. What podcast do you listen to, um, Tim? Other than, I mean, obviously you, you, have, you have your business podcast, you have your cycling podcast. What other shows do you listen to? Hold on, I'm pulling it up here. <laughs> um, well, the the one that I watch um, religiously, and I think half of the people online watch, is the Ask a Ninja podcast, which is hilarious. Yep, agree. Um, I also check out Bikescape, and then I have my own, uh, which is the BizOps podcast, which is my small business podcast. And I listen to, um, I, I did listen to the Crank podcast, uh, but he hasn't released in a while. And it's then, interesting. Larry um, was Larry was hoping to come on uh, the show today. He's but he's he he was busy. We're hoping we're going to get him back on the show again soon. Yeah, he's been working a ton. Yeah, he has. And then I do not listen to my own podcast because editing it is plenty for me. Because I hate hearing my own voice. I don't listen to the spokesman either. And uh, <laughs> there's a promo for the show. <laughs> Well, like if it comes when it comes to hearing my own voice, it's just like nails on a chalkboard. Um, but uh, I listen to different business ones, um, and then uh, I have a, I have one that's a Pray to Go, that's a daily prayer thing that I listen to, and um, then I have the Specialized podcast, which is pretty good, uh, and then I listen to the Fredcast, and um, I think uh, and the Rogan we just started one, so I got I'm just subscribed to his as well. So what that's was that kind one? of the rundown. The Rogue Mechanic. Oh, okay. R O G U E Mechanic. Well, and, there you go. That's uh, that's 23 hours of the day. So what what do you do for the other hour? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I I don't know. Sleep a little. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Carlton. What do you listen to? Uh. Well, it's not really a podcast, I suppose, but Onion Radio News is, is something that I just keep on getting downloaded, and it, it's funny. I love that. Fredcast, naturally. Uh, the Podcast Brothers, yeah. Tim and Amy Berkwin, yeah. excellent. Um, and then when Tim's nice to me, I listen to his. Um, and I, there's not that many. I mean, I like the video ones because uh, I, I'm big into Photoshop and to, to magazine stuff. So there's a few Photoshop uh, like how-to video tutorials, which are huge files, but uh, I kind of watch them and delete them. They're they're pretty good. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to do more, you know, watch more TV stuff really. And and when you know Apple TV comes out uh, in a few weeks' time, then I can start watching them uh, on the big screen as well. Yeah, I think Apple TV is going to be great for video podcasters. Mm. It's going to be a boon for them. That's that's you know Tim, you were saying earlier about about people being used to viewing media in a certain way. Imagine now being able to get video podcasts automatically downloaded to your television. Uh, right. And then I, it'll just, I, and I can, I'll see things like that's going to start working seamlessly with uh, your TiVo or whatever you use to record your shows. And then at the beginning of each season, you can, you can already subscribe to a season on iTunes and just, it automatically downloads when a new season is released or a new um, episode is released every week. 
So, uh, and then you just watch it whenever you get a chance. Um, I have a friend that has this whole season. We we both watched The Office, and he's never watched one when it came out. And he always watches it a couple of days later when he gets a chance. Yeah, I, I, that's, so, the way, um, that's the way I watch TV. Is 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 TiVo? Um, I have no idea what days certain shows are on. They show up on mm-hmm. my TiVo, and I watch them when I have a chance. And it's the same thing with podcasts. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I think, and that's where I was saying where. I think uh, most people, I mean, I still talk to people that don't even know what a podcast is. And so, um, but most people do know what blogs are, but a year or two years ago, they'd never heard of that either. Yeah, that's right. So I think we're right on the cusp of um, more people realizing that they can get whatever kind of entertainment they want whenever they want it instead of picking and choosing from, you know, the three main channels that are on television. Yeah, exactly. Well, real quick, I, 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 I was just looking through my, my iTunes and and I can't believe what a what a geek I am. Um, <laughs> so so just in alphabetical order, I guess. Ask a Ninja, of course. I love the Ninja. I think he's great. Um, Command N, which is a, a Macintosh sort of tech news pod, uh, video podcast. Um, Crooked Cog podcast. Who's that guy? Oh, Following man. that, cycling news and views. What happened to that, Carlton? Well, it, Macs never go wrong, so I, I've no idea what happened to it. Okay, but it, it just kind of didn't. Uh, update anymore and it's just if I switch users and go on on my wife's side of the same um, laptop I can upload stuff and then I switch back to my side and I can't upload stuff and it's just very very strange so that's why I switched to quick release TV and then eventually we'll be getting stuff but I don't do stuff like you anyway I, I do just content that is there's a there's a theme to it and right. mostly now, now it's um, it's videos so I'll I, I make my money now from from doing how to mend a puncher uh, videos that a, a a UK supplier of uh, punch repair patches etc pays for. And for you Americans and out I, there, that's how to fix a flat. Sorry, yes, how to fix. I think I call it that. In fact, uh, how to to fix a flat and uh, how to do a quick release. All these things for for beginners, in fact, because oh, kind of going backwards, really. One of the things you're talking about before about how people get. Um, anxiety almost going into bike shops because they don't want to admit they don't know what a quick release is etc so I, I try and come at it and say well look this is a quick release this is how you operate it and I, I, I did um, fixing flats and there was somebody um, emailed me and said thank you ever so much for showing me what you do with the tire levers because I didn't had no idea you hooked the hook behind a spoke right so they were looking at this this tire lever thinking what on earth is that squiggly thing for and nobody showed them <laughs> And here they're watching this and go, that's what that squiggly thing's for. <laughs> and you must never underestimate how beginners really are beginners and may not know the first thing about what to do and would then be afraid of, of voicing that to anybody who is a cyclist. You might have a friend who doesn't know what that squiggle thing is. Go home tonight and ask them, do they know what that squiggle thing is? That's a great point. That's and you great. have to use those exact words. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know what? One of these days we're going to find out the the real name for that squiggle thing. <laughs> it's it's the Carlton or something. Uh, so so really quickly, just going through my geekiness here in my iTunes, I listen to a show called Fly with Me, which is by a a professional airline pilot, which I find fascinating because he talks to the crew, he talks to passengers. And I, it sounds boring, but it's it's great. Geek Brief TV. Talk about uh, video <laughs> podcast. Yes. Yeah, stop it. Um. Let's see what else. Uh, lots of Mac shows. The Mac Roundtable, Mac Break, Mac Cast, 
Um, Net at I've night. I've got no Mac ones. Oh, you've got to listen to those. Those are great. No, Net no, at, no, no. Net at night. Podcast brothers, just like you. I just listened to a show that was mm. so incredibly enlightening. I couldn't believe it. I was taking notes on it. It was so good. The last one? Um, no, I'm I'm way behind on them. It was the one where they oh, were talking okay. to the guys from Grape Radio. Yeah, that was great. I loved that one. Yeah, oh my that God. was really good. These guys are sure that they're going to become multimillionaires off of podcasting. Hey, yeah. but look at how many viewers they, they have. They don't have that many uh, 15, uh, subscribers. That's not a lot. No, that's exactly... I was thinking, wait a minute. Yeah. Um, okay, why, why am I not a multi-millionaire <laughs> <laughs> off of this? Um, uh, strong bad emails, if you don't know what those are, you should definitely oh, those. are those. hilarious. They're the best. Yeah. Um, you're right, though, Tim. I have the Fredcast and the Spokesman in here, and I don't listen to them anymore. Um, I, I, when I edit the shows, I, I hear the whole show. And so it's not something that I listen to on my iPod or in the car. But I, I, I rely on my wife a lot to tell me when there's a problem. So I'll tell her, all right, I've released the show and she'll listen to it. If she finds an issue, something that I missed, I can then fix it really quickly and get it get it fixed up on the site. So mm-hmm. thanks to Donna for that. And then, of course, finally, oh, no, not finally, This Week in Tech. You guys listen to that? No. no. Is it good? Nobody, Nobody's... Nobody's mentioned Adam Curry's Daily Source Code yet. I stopped listening. Is that, to, is that, is that st- something you just start to begin with and then stop? I stopped listening to Adam because, and you know, God love him, he's the podfather, and, and actually he mentioned mm. my show on one of his shows once, and I really appreciated it, but I kind of have a hard time listening to him because it's all mm. about Adam. And <laughs> you know what? I have my own life. <laughs> so, uh, also, he, won't, he won't mention you again. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, Triathlon Radio, which unfortunately Jeremy's been really busy and he hasn't had a chance to put out any more shows uh, uh, in the past couple of months. But uh, he had a great show about triathlon. I'm hoping he's going to come back and, and do that one again. So, You've got Simply Stew as well. Simply Stew Triathlon Podcast is good. You know what? I, I missed him. You're right. I do listen to Simply Stew and he's really mm. popular. Uh, mm. He does a great job. And Joe Beer. Joe Beer has got a, a really funny almost like Rick, Ricky Gervais kind of accents in the background there. That's, yeah. a, that's a good one to listen to. What's the name of that show? Oh, where is it? I can't find it on here. But uh, it's... Uh, is it P-Y-B-S-T? It's... Uh, it's Joe Beer, anyway. Well, we'll and that's find B-E-E-R. Okay. And uh, that's a really good podcast. Well, listen, we've been we've been talking a while, and we haven't even gotten anything controversial, really. So I want to talk about something that has, has generated almost as much email for my show as the Floyd Landis uh, doping issue. And that was when the mayor of Salt Lake City, I believe his name is Rocky Anderson, came out a couple of weeks ago and said that he was wanted to propose a mandatory helmet law, not just for kids, but for everybody who rides a bike in Salt Lake City. And I've got to tell you, I got more audio comments, uh, more email, even before I asked for it, about uh, this this proposed law. And I, it originally, just let me set the stage here, my perspective on it when I first heard about it was, I don't want the government to be my nanny. Uh, I'm smart enough to know that when I go out on my bike, I should wear my helmet. If I'm on my mountain bike, if I'm on my road bike, even if I'm just tooling down to you know a couple of blocks to go to the supermarket to, to buy something, I wear my helmet. If I'm smart enough to do that, I don't need the, the government coming in and telling me, you must wear a helmet. And then I got some great comments. I got one from a gentleman who said, you know, David, that's, that's nice. It's idealistic. And, and, but I think that really it's, it's just a slogan to say that you don't want the government to be your nanny. Because, for instance, if somebody's riding their bike and they get a head injury, um, nine times out of ten, that's actually going to become a burden on society. 
and in which case we really should encourage people to wear their helmets, even if that means we have to pass a law. And then, by, by the, yeah, yeah, but where does that stop? Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you by the exact same if argument, you, right. you just put helmets on pedestrians, you put helmets on car drivers. Because everybody is at risk of head injuries. People, who, children who climb trees must wear helmets. People who do everything in life, I think there's more injuries falling out of bed than ever happen on, on bikes. And these are head injuries with people going to hospital. Uh, it's yeah. just, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. If you want to wear a helmet, wear a helmet. Anybody who tries to tell anybody else to wear a helmet, there's, a, there's another issue at stake here. And they're not thinking logically because there are so many things you can save lives with before you start legislating for, for bicycle helmets. Come on. So, right. so let me ask in, you this in, then. Uh, what about, what about uh, seatbelt laws? Seatbelt laws, and again, I'm totally devil's advocate okay, there, here. There's a good, see, to me, I was against the seatbelt law the same way I'm against the helmet law until I heard one good argument. And the fact is, and it's been proven, if you're in a wreck and you're buckled in, you stay more in control of the car. Therefore, you are less likely to hurt more people. There you go. See, my whole thing is, yes, create laws that protect people from each other, but don't create laws that protect me from myself because let me make my own decisions. So on the seatbelt law, you're, you're keeping me more in control of a car, which to me is a good law because if I get in a wreck and I'm more in control of the car, maybe I'll miss that crowd of people. On a bike, I don't have a helmet on. How am I going to hurt somebody else? So I think that's more my choice than somebody else's. And the strain on society, that's a really, really slippery slope. You can, like, uh, like Carlton was just saying, you can start saying anything can be a danger to, to society if, they, if somebody can get hurt. You know, maybe we just shouldn't let people mountain bike or be on bikes in the first place because it's more dangerous than being in cars. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I mentioned when I first brought this up on my show two weeks ago was, you know, there's this whole thing like in New York City where they're banning trans fats from foods. Uh, and now you hear where, where obviously, remember, they took smokers out of office buildings, and now they've moved them out right by the door. So everybody who walks by has to go through their cloud. And now they're saying, oh, no, you can't even be within 500 feet of that building. And they're doing all well, of Salt these. Salt Lake City was... Salt Lake City was one of the first places to ban smokers from inside any public building. Interesting. I didn't know that. So, yeah. so Salt Lake City sort of has a history of things like this. Well, I, I mean, that's, I just know that because I go there to ski. Right. But um, I don't know if they have a history of doing that with other things. I just remember that in particular. Well, hey, that, you know, skiing brings up a good question. Carlton, you're about to, to cross the pond to go skiing with your family. Mm -hmm. When your kids go skiing, do they wear helmets? They do wear helmets, and uh, they wear very, very strong helmets. And it's it, it's not mandatory in Vermont, I don't think. No, but I think not. lots of places in America it is mandatory. Uh, it's it's interesting when we skied in in Europe last year. You can actually tell the Americans and and now increasingly the Brits in the queues because they're the ones wearing helmets. Uh, nobody else skiing in, in Europe is is wearing a helmet, and it it's similar to to uh, bicycle helmets, you know, 10, 15 years ago. In the UK, very few people wore helmets, and now it is a, it, it's part of the cycling uniform, yeah. which is fine if that, uh, you want to, to go into that uniform. Now, to bring this argument way back to how we started, which was encouraging new cyclists, you start putting helmets on people, you will get nobody starting to take up cycling. 
because it's just another item of equipment you've A, got to buy, B, you've got to wear, and people, when you actually ask new cyclists or people who are looking to go into cycling, what's one of the things that would discourage you? Helmets is way up there on the list. Why should you have to wear a piece of protection to do what's actually a very normal, safe activity? And you're doing it at the speeds as a, as a normal commute cyclist. How much of a helmet will save you when a car crashes into you? Zero. How much of a helmet is useful to you when you're, you're going down a, a slope and you're away from the road and you're maybe coming off at uh, 20 miles an hour and hitting on a rock? Okay, that, that's when they, they help you. But when you see um, cities and states and countries legislating for helmet use for people on the roads because they think cars are going to crush you, this bit of polystyrene will not save you if a car hits you. Just It will not. They're not designed for, for these sort of impacts. And I think we've talked about this on the show before, whereas the, you know, the, the academic who measured the distance drivers come past you if you're wearing a helmet and you're not wearing a helmet and the blonde wig, etc. Yep. If you're wearing a helmet, car drivers will cut you up because they see you wearing protective equipment. It is not protective equipment. It will not save your head in the majority of car versus bike collisions. Yeah, it's no. really it's really to protect you, you protect you from yourself, not to hitting a curb. You. Yeah, exactly. Hitting a curb at, at twelve miles an hour from the height of uh, one meter, and that is the strongest helmets. Most helmets. I'm I'm in the bike trade, so I shouldn't be saying this, but most helmets do not meet those uh, toughest standards. They meet the CPSC standards, which are extremely weak, and all these standards were, were forced through by, by manufacturers who, who we now wear extremely unsafe helmets compared to 10, 15 years ago when we had these in, incredibly heavy uh, hard shell helmets. They protected your head. These modern ones with lots of vents, they have lost an awful lot of protection over the years because people don't like wearing helmets, so they've designed the vents in. They've designed... Uh, them to be sleek. Well, I'm afraid they don't protect your head like helmets of 15 years ago. So if they don't protect your head as, as, as well as they do 15 years ago, how did all these standards get pushed through? And you, you won't find many helmets today will meet snail standards. So start looking at the standards in, in helmet stickers. If it's just CPSC and standards like that, pff, these things aren't going to protect you even worse than, than uh, uh, the, the helmets I was talking about. The, the, these things are part of the uniform. I wear them. I've got about uh, six helmets downstairs I can choose from for whatever activity I'm going to be doing. <laughs> but I never fool myself to think that if I hit a car, that's going to save my life. It's just, it's not going to happen. You know, on this same subject of how safe they are, I was discussing this, there was a bunch of us discussing this, and uh, helmets and how safe they are, and do they, do they cause more damage? And one guy, um, he, he made a point that I never thought of is the fact that most of your falls, if you're going to hit your head, you're going to hit the side of your head or your face or the back of your head or that sort of thing. And he's like, actually, in those cases, helmets are more cause more damage because they add an extra amount of weight to your head, maybe an extra 15% of weight to your head. So your head is now whipping towards the ground at a faster rate of speed than it would otherwise. He's like, so in any fall except for direct hit on the helmet, which is on top of your head. He's like, if you hit your side of your face or something like that, it's actually going to hit harder because you're wearing a helmet. I think those studies were done with these heavier helmets. I don't think it's quite such an issue with uh, the modern 
lightweight um, helmet. There's also rotational injuries, all sorts that can come into play, which pro-helmet people never like to bring up. And even anti-helmet people shouldn't really bring it up too much because it's a very small percentage uh, of the injuries out there. Um, But they are not fail-safe devices. Hey, when did you guys start wearing helmets? Uh, I know when I was growing up, we lived on a a rather steep hill, and I used to like to go up to the top of the hill on my bike and just bomb down the hill. And it was around that time, I was probably about eight years old, uh, my parents actually took me to a motorcycle store and got me uh, an actual motorcycle helmet. And it probably saved my brain a couple of times. But when did you guys start wearing helmets? Carlton? Um... Probably about six years ago, and for me, it's probably quite a, a, a big part of the, a fashion thing. If you're a cyclist, you wear a helmet more than the the safety aspect, I guess. But I do make my kids wear helmets, uh-huh. and and when they see a cyclist without a helmet, they they remark on it, and I say, well, doesn't have to if he doesn't want to, but you're going to wear yours. Yep. And that's <laughs> just a parent uh, doing this. Uh, that's the the parent in me just saying you ought to do this. But in, in 10 years' time, if they don't want to ha- wear a helmet, then that's totally their choice. I'm just trying to give them some basics, and then they do what they want afterwards. But before we move on to Tim, Carlton, just two comments. Number one, you said the fashion aspect. You know, I see a lot of people around here who, who consider themselves high-end, elite-level cyclists who just refuse mm. to wear helmets because of the fashion aspect. Yeah, I, I read it's like it's meant to be a Euro thing. Yeah. I think that's not the UK. UK is pretty much uh, uh, helmets now. If you're a cyclist, you wear a helmet. Um, yeah, you see Floyd, for instance, on the the fitness camp um, a few weeks back. He wasn't wearing a helmet, and that is a it's a it's a European roadie thing. Second question: You mentioned your your kids that they always wear a helmet. Is there a law in the UK that says that under a certain age you have to wear a helmet? God no, and I fight it tooth and nail. I've I've been <laughs> a huge. Uh, advocate against compulsion and I always stress how pro-helmet I am right. I make my kids wear them, I wear them I think they're fantastic devices for a certain percentage of very very rare unusual injuries but you start putting compulsion in place and we just lose millions of cyclists overnight so the reason I bring it up is because here in California we do have a law that says that if you're under 18 you have to wear a helmet so here's what happens and it drives me crazy you're going down the road and you see a family coming towards you and both of the little kids are wearing helmets mm. and neither of the parents are wearing helmets. And I think mm. that the message that that sends is, is a, it's a really bad message to send to those kids. Well, kids, you have to wear the helmet because the law says so, but otherwise forget about it. It's not important mm. if mommy and daddy fall down and, and die and go splat right in front of you. Um, but you'll wear your helmet because the law says that you will. The teenager will then take it off when they go out by themselves. Around the corner, they take it off. Of course. Whereas if, if maybe if my approach is, you know, wear your helmet. This is the reason why you, you ought to wear a helmet. If in later life you want to choose not to wear it, you can do so. Maybe my children will actually choose to wear helmets. And I think it should always be a choice thing. Um, not not because of freedom. I've never really believed in, in, in that argument because there's all sorts of things which we do put restrictions in place for the society good. I just don't see a societal good in, uh, in, in cyclohelmet compulsion. There you go. Tim, what about you? When did you first start wearing a helmet? And, and do you wear one on every ride? Yeah, I wear one on every ride now. Um, when I first started getting into mountain biking, um, and I was one of those that got in just because 
it sounded like something cool to do, and I didn't have any money to go out west and go skiing anymore. And uh, so I had nobody teaching me how to do anything. So I I picked up a bike and started riding, and you know had no gloves and uh, no helmet or anything like that at the time. And I went with a friend of mine who was a mountain biker, and there was a couple other riders, and we went whipping around this corner, and my buddy's bike um, washed out in the corner. And at full speed, he caught a tree on his forehead of his oh. helmet, and it completely crushed in his helmet, and he had a trouble standing up. But he was fine. After about five minutes, we were back on the bike and riding. But he would have either been dead or severely injured. So after that, I went out and bought a helmet, and I've, I've ridden pretty much every ride ever since then, unless I'm letting somebody borrow my helmet that's more likely to fall than me. But... um but pretty much ever since then, I've had a helmet on, and uh, because, and that's the story I tell to people when I stop them on the trail and they're not wearing helmets. Is I would have had a friend deader in the hospital uh, if he hadn't, uh, if he hadn't had that helmet on. You know, it's 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 a funny story because while my parents made me wear that motorcycle helmet, I remember when I first got into mountain biking, and I had a brand new mountain bike, and my wife and I went down to. Um, the, the, the strand, the beach trail down here in, in the South Bay of LA. And we were riding and we came around a corner and there was a bit of sand on the, the concrete trail. And as I went around, I carried a little bit too much speed into the curve, was not wearing a helmet. And my bike washed out and I went down. And I hit my head, not real hard, but I remember it was at that moment as I was going down, I was thinking to myself, gee, I wish I was wearing a helmet. And from that <laughs> moment on... I, I like you. From that moment on, I went out and I, and I bought a helmet and I wore a helmet on every single ride. It's it's situations like that where you just, you know it's, you have one of those aha moments. Gee, I get it. I get why people wear these things. Yeah, and uh, I actually have a friend that um, he always wore his helmet and he ran out. He was just going. Uh, he was he his car wasn't working, so he was riding everywhere by his bike, and um, he forgot his helmet. Just ran out and forgot it and didn't think much of it. Well, it was hot, and he passed out and hit his head, and uh, he was in a coma for, I think, a couple months, oh. um, and all kinds of stuff, and finally came out of it, and it took him over a year to recover from it, and uh, it was just a fluke thing. He was riding his bike. He knew how to ride. He was better than I was on the trail. He was riding down a sidewalk, got too hot, and passed out, and smacked his head on the pavement, and if he had had a helmet on, he wouldn't have had those injuries either, so, yeah, I always wear a helmet, and I'm all for everybody wearing a helmet, but... Again, I, I think it's I think it's a bad move to start doing the compulsion thing. Okay, well, with that, we're going to wrap up that that topic. It's 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 a hot topic out there, and I think a lot of people are talking about it. And 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 I knew as soon as I brought up that stuff that I'd, I'd get you guys, and so I did. That was excellent. Thank you. Um, last but not least, and something that we're going to talk about, we're going to bring up on every show. And I, I sprung this on the guys this morning, and hopefully they're ready. Um, from now on, we're going to bring you our cycling tips of the week. Just little tips and tidbits from from our arsenal of cycling knowledge uh, that we can bring to you and, and, and give you some ideas. So we're going to start with Tim. And uh, Tim, what is your cycling tip this week? Uh, mine's for bike storage. And part of my basement is what I use for my uh, little bike shop. And as I was getting more and more bikes, I was having trouble fitting them in. And so I was trying to find an easy way to keep them out of the way. And the cheapest way I found to keep bikes out of the way is a $2 heavy-duty bike hanger hook. I got it from the local Lowe's or uh, you could probably get it from Home Depot or any kind of hardware store. And uh, you just drill a hole and screw this thing in and uh, you can hang all your bikes and it keeps them really tight together. And um, 
and keeps them out of the way and up off the floor and hanging from the ceiling, and it was $2. So that was uh, the cheapest way to do bike stores that I could find. Okay, that's that's a great tip. Carlton, your turn. Don't listen to podcasts when cycling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. Should I give you one? Yeah, please. <laughs> and David won't like this. Tim might. This is this is for you touring cyclists out there, because that's that's where my heart is. I think. Uh, pack zip ties. You know these uh, the releasable ones, the ones that you can you can tie things on and then release them and then use them again a gazillion times. I found that the most useful thing when I was touring. Pack a few of them in your, in your, how do you call them, pannier, pannier bags? And, uh, and you can attach all sorts. And you can fix broken bikes and anything you buy. You can fix your baguette onto the back of your bike. They're fantastic. Why wouldn't I like that tip? Because you're not a touring cyclist. You're a roadie. Okay. You're not going to carry anything that weighs any more than like uh, two grams. I, I well, these these things are, these are heavy. And you're a Fred, so you know it wouldn't look cool enough to put on your bike, right? And, and no, of course, that no, depends no. on your definition of Fred, because my definition of Fred, you're right, but a lot of other people's definition of Fred, they, they could see a lot of zip ties hanging off of bikes. <laughs> <laughs> so you never know. All right, my tip of the week is, is and it's, it's sort of a, a, a be kind to other cyclist tip, and that is something that I've been doing and I've used several times. I carry my floor pump with me in my car. And I do that because how many times have you been driving down the road and you see somebody stopped because they've gotten a flat on their bike? And so if you carry your floor pump and a couple of tubes, I carry um, mountain bike tubes and 700C tubes, you have no idea how grateful somebody sitting by the side of the road is when you pull up, open up the back of your car, and pull out a floor pump and a couple of tubes. Uh, it makes their day. So it's right, just a... Yeah, go ahead. You show it to him, and then you say, you know, ten dollars. Right? <laughs> <laughs> How do you think I afford gas? Gas is getting more expensive every day. <laughs> Seriously, this is this is a great way just to to promote cycling friendliness. Because one of my things that, that I hate is you know going out for my training ride on a Saturday or Sunday and waving at the guy on the other side of the road, and and you know he just thinks he's too cool to wave. Uh, and for me, I think that we're, we're all in this together. And if we're going to promote cycling, as we talked about at the top of the show, um, w one of the things that we need to do is we need to promote cycling within cycling. Uh, we're all in this together. So if we can help other people out, I think that that's a great thing that we can do. And I got the idea. It wasn't my idea. I got the idea because I was on a long ride one day and I was fixing a flat and a guy stopped and he had did the same thing. He had a floor pump. And how great was it to not have to use my CO2 cartridge, uh, but instead this this you know great friend of cycling just stopped and handed me his floor pump and said, "Here, this would be easier for you." So hey, if you've got a if you've got a zip tie, you just zip tie your floor <laughs> pump to the back of your bike. <laughs> there you go, two tips in one. You don't need the car. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> Really good. All right, we're going to end the show there. Thank you, Carlton, for that. I appreciate it. Uh, Carlton, tell people again where they can find you and how they can if contact you, like, you. Well, if you like hamburgers, go to quickrelease.tv and or eventually girls. you'll see a. a yes. She you is like nice. Girls or hamburgers? Or them <laughs> yeah. together? Do you know that's probably going to be more of a promo for that site than anything you can say about cycling? Do you like hamburgers or girls? Go to Quickrelease TV. Well, uh, if or, you like hamburgers uh, and girls together, then you know, you're good there too. Do you know, maybe I should just put the, the Quick Release TV logo of the little TV just next to the girl and the hamburger. And there then you, you please everybody. Everybody's going to be looking for the girl with the hamburger. 
<laughs> because you know when they get out there, they're going to be like, "Oh, I'm at the wrong site." And when they listen to this show in a couple of months, they're going to look for the girl with the hamburger, and what if she's not there? It'll have to stay now, won't it? That's crazy. <laughs> How can they contact you? Uh, they can't. They okay. can't. They just nobody can. No. Tim. All right. Uh, you can find me at crookedcog.com. Uh, and then all the other sites off there in the podcast is crookedcogpodcast.com or send me an email, tim at crookedcog.com. And I'm sorry, but you must blog, you must uh, plug your business podcast as well because it's really good. Um, okay, that's at uh, BizOps. Uh, it's the BizOps podcast, and it's an extremely long URL. It's podcast.business-opportunities.biz. <laughs> there you go. We'll, so, we'll, we'll and, oh, and while I'm... While I'm plugging, uh, we we started a new site uh, about a week ago called PinkMTB.com, and it's for women mountain bikers. So. I heard that on your show, and I think that that is is fantastic. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we got we got uh, Jesse uh, Pissetti, yep. uh that Bob Rolls business partner, blogging on there, and we also got a uh, Sarah, who is a writer for I think uh, the Daily Peloton and some other publications she's writing on there as well so I'm pretty excited about that site yeah I think that's great and I'm David Bernstein from the Fredcast cycling podcast at www.thefredcast.com you can email me at thefredcast at gmail.com and of course if you're just listening to this on your RSS reader and you have no idea where to find the spokesman's website that's at the hyphen spokesman dot com carlton and tim thank you for being on the show today and for all of your great comments and thank you to you listeners for listening and for staying subscribed and for telling your friends about this show as well as all of our other shows we really appreciate it all right guys are we going to try to do this in unison what what are we saying let's let's get out and ride but in three all right one two three Let's I knew you wouldn't do it. I knew you wouldn't do it. All right. You've you got to practice. Is it just get out and ride? Is it it's let's get, get out and ride? It's, it's, you, see, nobody listens to the show. It's get out there oh, and no. ride. Get out, get out there, and there and ride. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Right. One, two, three. Get out get there out and there ride. ride. There you go. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>